why don't you uh, give me your reaction to Easter? I'm curious. How many of you came to the vigil? How many of you were, wow, that's pretty good. What did you think? What did you, now, this is, this is good because we had a lot of new members there. In fact, there were about 230 people there, I think, which is great for 8 o'clock on a Saturday night before Easter. Um, we had a lot of new members there who were sort of stunned by all of it in a good way. But I'm curious, what did you like about it? What would you have done differently? Because I'm trying to get a read on what's the common denominator. What is it that people liked so much about it? You weren't there because there was too much incense and you would have spent the next day at CDH. But I would have come to visit you. No. I haven't paid my bill since December yet. We can pray about the bill, but I can't pay oh, your bill. Yeah, I know. yeah. I know, I know. Lord, give me. Yeah. Hey, they sell money trees out at Trader Joe's now. Eight bucks, you can buy a money tree. I'm thinking of, well, never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> what are you going to say? Yeah. It is Easter. Yes. That's all there was. Good. Good. I mean, some of the new members, one guy said, this is the best service I've ever been to. And, you know, he's in his you know, late 20s. What else did you like about it or, or not like about it? Again, this is, we try to get better every year, so I'm just curious what it was that stuck with you. Yeah, go ahead. Yep. I think we did, but sometimes you, you don't get hit, you know, and so you... Yeah. We used to do it with a pine branch. Yeah, I know it did. Um, that thing we use is called an aspergill, which is, if you've ever been to a Catholic mass, you've seen this, right? Where they, gets a little more longevity to the, to the toss. Yeah, I mean, you try a pine branch, and it just looks like, it's all floppy, and you kind of dip it in the water, and it just looks goofy. Although, if you ever, I mean, sometimes you see that, they have real pine branches. Okay, that's good, so you like the water, what else? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the triple-double. Everything that's living gets a triple-double. Yeah, everything. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, right. It's like, hey, Jesus is here. Good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Actually, here's the thing. We thought, I mean, I, I said to Bruzek, I said, when, I said, I didn't put anything in the bulletin about when to put them out. Now, last year we took it out because what happens is you have this big pause and then it says, please extinguish your candles. And so then you have all of a sudden all these candles go out. And it just kind of breaks the mood, you know? So last year we didn't say anything. Well, then the, the ushers took it upon themselves to tell people to blow their candles out. So they get ready for communion and say, you can go now. The first they say, are you a Lutheran? Because that's the real question. Are you a Lutheran, right? That was a joke. But they do that. Like, you're not Lutherans? And sit in your pew. Are you a Lutheran? Okay, great. Put your candle up. Put your candle up. Put your candle up. So this year we kind of prompted them not to do that. But we bought longer candles, hoping to get you all the way to the Eucharist. I think they were 18-inch, not 12-inch. So... Yeah. Yep, yep. But all in all, you like the candles. Okay, good. All right, good. Dripping on your hand? Yeah, I know how that goes. 
great to see you, Faye. Hey. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. This is like church. Not you guys, but other people. <laughs> Let's go Donna, and then we'll go to Holly. Donna. <laughs> Why? What do you think? Yeah. There was some point in the communion liturgy at Christmas where I couldn't see the people. That's actually what I was hoping for. Um, but it didn't quite get all the way there. No, we probably didn't use as much. Although, here's the thing. It, yeah. I think part of it is it was darker at Easter. And I think for some people, so much of it is visual. If you see it billowing, yeah, that helps too. Yeah. Exactly. That really does help. It helps. In fact, we had, early in the week, we had confession with no air on. And when we'd light the incense, it was just stagnant. Like you could see a haze. Once the air came on, like Wednesday, you could barely tell there was incense in the building. So that does help a, a ton. Yes. Yeah. A little smell. And incense, you remember, is not supposed to be overpowering. Now, part of the reason we put some more on is because we don't ever experience it. It's so rare for most people. But if we had it every day and everybody came every day, it's just so you, when you walk in, you sort of get a smell of it. Yeah. What else? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, everything living gets a triple-double. Everything living. So it's two to the side, two to the side, and two to the middle. Um, but everything living gets a triple-double. Now what you noticed is, we, well, I'm getting there. <laughs> uh, it gets a triple because it's Trinitarian. Um, it gets a double because that's what the church has always done. I don't know why they give a double, but the triple is sort of easy to understand. You give three swings to the Trinity. The double, you know, I could make something up, but then I'd be lying. Like, I'd say, oh, it's for the two natures in Jesus. I don't know. You know, could be. I could have said it, and you might have believed it. But you notice we gave triple doubles to the crucifix, um, the communion stuff, to all the people. Now, why would we give a triple double to the crucifix if it's only for living things? Because the crucifix is a living thing, right? It's a living thing. In fact, we even sensed with a triple double the big Taze cross. Because that's a living thing. You sense the Paschal candle, because that's a living thing. Um, now, sometimes you'll see people, you know, uh, like sense a pulpit or a lectern. That might not get a triple double in the same way like communion vessels would. But uh, yeah, everything living gets a triple double. So you sense the altar, all the accoutrements, the clergy, and then the people, so that everyone gets sensed. And that, you remember in the Old Testament, was to, sancti uh, to signify sanctity. You were made holy. So you watch a Mass, and that's usually what happens. Question? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that group back there, man, they're really going. You guys are going hard back there. <laughs> Keep going. This is like eighth grade confirmation. There are always two young girls in the back who are like, Hey, did you see Bobby yesterday? Oh, yeah. And I have to stop, and they just keep going. It's great. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, would you like to talk about the Friday night with the whole group? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, the, yeah, the fire goes outside. It's a new fire, so it signifies sort of... <laughs> I know where this is going to lead. I can already tell the phone calls now. Uh, 
you start with a new fire outside because it signifies, you know, you're in the darkness and then light sort of breaks forth in the new creation. Um, and always, in fact, at some churches, if you have a graveyard, what you do is you start the fire in the graveyard. So you have a fire pit there to signify that light comes out of death. And then you sort of walk in into the new building. But that's that historically, you always had a fire going outside. And then we bring our light for the Paschal candle from that new fire. So you probably didn't see it, but Jonathan Mueller has a candle, a normal candle, lights it from out there, brings it in, and right at the point where it says, this is at the very beginning of the liturgy, where it says something like, Christ the light is risen in our hearts, or something, he walks it in, and then the presiding minister lights the Paschal candle. So it was to signify lightness out of dark, you know, light out of darkness. And it's always a new fire, and it's, it's supposed to be sort of struck, you know, we put a big fire burning log in there. That probably isn't the best way. It's supposed to be struck sort of from nothing, you know? In fact, I heard at Valpo what they did is they put um, they put rubbing alcohol in the bottom of it, because when you strike a match then and toss it in, it gives a big flame, and depending on how much you put in, it burns until all the alcohol's gone. And that sort of signifies that it's fire out of nothing, not even wood. Now, it's rubbing alcohol, but the imagery is different. So... But yeah, that's very, very traditional. You always have a fire outside. A lot of people want to know what that was, but it's a new fire for a new year. The ch I mean, your new year in the world starts January 1. The new year for the church starts Easter Saturday. That's the new year. Yeah. It has to do more with darkness and light in the world. They try to sort of line everything up so that as it gets darker in the world, it gets darker in the church, and then it gets light again. Um, but why Advent, well, partly Advent is that time. Why it's the start of the new year, I don't know. Why it is that time is because it's nine months after the Annunciation. So, yes, yes, right. Yeah. Yeah, right. It is strange, because Easter, I think, um, you have... Oftentimes you have fewer distractions around Easter. What are you doing at Christ What are you doing during Advent? Buying Christmas presents. Yeah. What are you doing at during Lent? Going to church, right? I mean, they're still busy, but they're just fewer distractions. You like Friday night? It was good. The night service. All right. Not too long. Do you guys like hearing all the readings? I think that's helpful. I think people don't often get to hear those stories. And uh, especially the passion story on, uh, on Good Friday. It's kind of neat to hear the whole passion. We've tried to trim it down. It's actually much longer than that. Um, how about when everything stopped after it said and he gave up the spirit and we sort of encircled the altar? Did you see that? That's sort of, you didn't see it? That's all right. Usually what happens is, you remember, um, you may have had a pastor way back when who when the text comes and it says, and he gave up the ghost, at that point everything stops and usually your, your pastor would sort of go down on one knee to signify that it's all done. But if you ever watch you know, a, big, a big service, like you watch the Vatican next year, at that point everything stops and everyone goes down and they sort of encircle the altar and look at the crucifix, which is what we tried to emulate a bit, but it's not the Vatican upstairs. So. Yes, that was, yeah, the strepidus. Yep, yep. 
Except my nervousness was closing the book real loud. You know, at St. Paul's in Fort Wayne, they, they shut a big safe. Boom. Big safe door. We don't have a big safe. It's down at the end of the hallway, and I don't even know where it's at, nor do I know the combination. So I don't know the combination to the big safe. It's like it's out on the radio. Some people, one person said, uh, a Joy Grouper said that she's convinced that I have a special room across the street where we store money. She's convinced. And that only I and Pastor Bruzik have keys to it. Like, show me where that room's at. I'd love to see it. <laughs> and I'm going to pay your medical bill. If I can find the room, I will pay your medical bill. But you, but you notice, with the strepidus, when they close the book, have you ever seen it where they duff it? It's like, sort of moves around like that. And then I was at a church once where, they, where the guy sort of missed, and half the people thought he had done it and half didn't, so he did it again. And it's like, well, what happened? They opened the tomb back up and shut it. So it's sort of, there, there comes a point where you cross the line between very good imagery and it becomes kitsch. So we try to avoid kitsch because the only door we have is the door upstairs by Mueller's organ, which is like a hollow room, so it doesn't really give a thunder, you know, a boom. So we ring a bell. I know it's stupid. I know if you wanted, you know, there are other churches that close books, but I'm just not that confident in closing the book on the spot like that. All right. Well, anything else? Mary, what are you repairing back there? Oh, is that my old? Oh. I, uh, Mary's going to get tons of year. well, if you're a Catholic, I'd say get tons of year out of purgatory, but that's not what you are. Uh, she's going to get extra joys in heaven because... About once every, what, three weeks, I rip my alb? Yeah. It's always after the service, I start to walk up the stair and you hear, <laughs> All right, you want to play You Be Me? We, we've played this before, haven't we? Okay, well, there's always a... All right, you guys, can, you guys can be me. So we got word that uh, one of our members' fathers passed away. You know, which is not very much, I mean, welcome to the pastoral ministry, Okay. They say, will you do this? Like, will you marry us? And you say, great, tell me your story. And they say, we've been living together for eight years. And you kind of look at them and say, is there any more? No, that's it. They're like, oh, this will be fun. Um, So that's all you know. Baptized. Okay? Baptized, not real active. And in some sense, this sort of of goes along the lines of what, you know, Betty wanted to pray for this morning and Judith wanted to pray for this morning. You know, what what do you do in a situation like this? Now, I'll tell you straight away, the answer is not to say, no, we won't do it. Okay? There there are two extremes with pastors. One is they'll do a funeral for anybody, especially if they know they're going to get cash. Now, I'm saying, (laughs) you chuckle. I grew up in a church. I, you know, I'm sorry that I always use them as an example, but they were so bad where they had a deal with the local funeral home that when deaths would come in where they'd say, we don't have a pastor, they'd call this church first and they'd do the funeral. Well, in this area, I bet you they did 30 funerals a year. In fact, I bet you there was never a different sermon. I was never there. But I bet you they wrote one sermon and used it at every one. You do 30 funerals times, let's say, 150 bucks. That's some extra cash over the course of a year. Okay? So that's one extreme. We'll do it because we want the money. The other extreme is we'll never do a funeral for someone who's not our member or not a Lutheran. Okay, so those are the two extremes. Now, pastorally, you have to find your way in there. Obviously, it becomes more difficult when you have someone who's not baptized. Um, But when they're not a member and haven't been real faithful, you don't have a whole lot to say. Okay? So we've got to figure out what we're going to say. You be me. Psalm 91. 
He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Okay? So that, clergy persons, is what you have to work with. Okay? Psalm 91, and a baptized person, and nothing more. What are you going to say? No. But let's press that for a second. Let's pretend he was. How would that help you out, or how might that hurt you? Yep. Yeah. And that's, that's certainly true. Her point is a good one, which is your message is to, the, is to the survivors. That's certainly true. Your message is always to the survivors. But it's certainly true with someone who has never been in contact with Christ. Sort of a verbal, yes, I believe this. Good. Okay. Yeah, we try to err on the side of, uh, it's like everything else. You don't want to put the worst construction. Obviously, any of you can go home and renounce Christ today. But you know what? When I go to sleep tonight, I'm going to trust that all of you won't. Right? So let's put the best construction on it, which is uh, he's baptized. And you probably the best thing you said was, Christ doesn't give up. Okay? That's good. Now, what else are you going to say? Yeah. Uh, let's go Donna first and then to you. Is that okay? Yes. Yeah, good. That's what we want to do because this is, they said we don't care what other verses we have. And I'll tell you just so you know what the other verses are. But they said we don't care what other verses we have, but we want Psalm 91. Here's the other ones you've got. Isaiah 25, on the mountain of the Lord, there'll be a rich feast. You have um, Romans 6, you've been baptized and buried with Christ. And John 14, in my Father's house are many rooms. Okay, so those are the three other texts you've got, but this is the one they want. Good? Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good. So what we know is, he dwells in the shelter of the Most High. He, the Lord has made, the Lord has, uh, the Lord has given himself as a dwelling place, and the family has come to me, and that's as though they've come to the Lord. Good. All right, good. So we know he's protected. Jen, what did you have? Don't know. Well, I shouldn't say that. That question didn't come up because that's usually not the first question I ask. Um, because, yeah, if you say that, that can sometimes go over poorly. Uh, but you can gather from a family without asking the question. You can sort of ask the question. 
I don't think he did. I don't ever think he did. Um, I just think he, uh, I just think he didn't practice. Yep. Yep. Yeah, right. Everything, yeah. We charge for those kind of conversations, actually. Nine ninety nine a minute. Eulogies are very good. I have a stack of them if you want to just rent one sometime. <laughs> right now, Sandy Khan's thinking, I just joined this church? What a big mistake. <laughs> what have I done? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Good. Yep. Yep, good. Yes. So... Oftentimes, um, you might come, hopefully it's not someone you're related to, but you might come to, or, well, uh, you might come to a funeral at some point, and if I'm the preacher, and it's been a very faithful person, I will oftentimes talk a lot about the person. Okay? Now, does that seem Lutheran or non-Lutheran to you? Non-Lutheran, because at, at a Lutheran funeral, what do you do? Jesus died for this person's sins, Right? They were, no, hold on, <laughs> I know, they were, they were uh, as I once heard at a funeral, the, well, this was a sadness because it was young children, but the guy said, basically, these children died because they were sinners. Uh, now, do you really need to say that at the funeral? No, because guess what? There's a casket right there, right? So what usually happens, and I know this is not every place, but characteristically, this is how Vicar, they'll teach you how to preach a funeral sermon at the seminary. They'll say... You get up and you talk all about Jesus and never mention their name because it's not about them, it's about Jesus. Okay? Now that's very good advice, but what does it fail to recognize about the dead person? They and Jesus were one and the same. Okay? So if you talk about the dead person and they were faithful, then you're actually talking about Jesus. So you can say... This person loved his family, he was faithful, he was charitable, he was kind. Guess what? That's a picture of Jesus, and he only did it because Jesus loved him, and he's safe with Jesus now, and he does all those things sort of par excellence. Okay? Now, that's for a person who you know has been very faithful. And actually, those are kind of fun, to preach those sort of sermons. Now, someone like this, I don't know about. So am I going to talk about them or about Jesus? About Jesus, because what's more important at the end of the day that you believe or that Jesus believes? That, that Jesus believes, right? This gets back to your question about your son and your son. Even when you think they don't believe, guess what? The more important thing is, do they believe in Jesus or that Jesus believes in them? That Jesus believes in them, right? What's more important, that they practice or that Christ practices? That Christ practices. So even when you don't show up to church, guess what? Jesus is still going to church. Right? Even when you say, I don't believe anymore, Jesus is still believing. And so long as you're baptized, you receive the gifts of what Christ does. So as long as this person, you know, didn't go back and try to rub the water off, Jesus is believing and Jesus is practicing, and all of that is given to this man. Okay? Make sense? I cut you off a long time ago, and I just want to publicly repent of that. It's a little... Yeah. Yes, right. Yeah. Exactly. You wouldn't, you wouldn't preach a whole sermon on how this guy loved the Cubs. But you might preach a whole sermon on how this guy loved his wife. Right? Because that's what Christ does. Ephesians 5. He loves his bride. And the whole point is, as you see a person's love for his spouse, you see that Jesus' love for his church. So you're actually not talking about the person. 
Okay, good. Shouldn't have cut you off so long ago, because it actually supports my point, right? Yeah. Okay, what else do you have? Have any of you ever, um, yes, uh, his, he'll give his angels charge concerning you. Have any of you ever witnessed, maybe for a loved one, a commendation of the dying? A commendation of the dying, sort of last rites. Anybody ever seen that? You have. Was it a Catholic who did it? Okay, good. Uh, anybody else? You have. Uh, you have, good. This is probably something that you don't ever in your life anticipate enjoying, but I hope that when you experience it, you do say there's some joy in all of this. Um, and, the, and actually, this is helpful because the commendation of the dying ends with, um, ends with the hymn, Lord Thee I Love With All My Heart. You guys know the hymn? Lord Thee I Love With All My Heart. I forget the next words, but that doesn't matter. It ends with the last stanza of that hymn, which begins, Lord, let at last thine angels come to Abram's bosom bear me home that I may die unfearing. Okay? So it's right out of this psalm. Lord, let at last thine angels come to Abram's bosom bear me home that I may die unfearing. Unfearing. It's in the hymn, though. You can look it up. Lord, thee I love with all my heart. But that's how the commendation of the dying ends. Why does it end that way? You say that right before the person dies. Why does it end that way? Because Psalm 91 says, yeah, he will give his angels charge over you, command over you, to guard you in all your ways. On their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Okay? So at the end of life, um, you know, your greatest help are both your guardian angel and all the other angels whom the Lord might send. You all have a guardian angel, you know that, right? Yeah, good. I don't know the name, but you'll find out someday. So you all have someone, you ever, you ever had a moment in life where like you're almost hit by a car going through an intersection and you say, I remember seeing you, yeah. Someone said, there's a member of St. John who's in a car accident. I said, how do you know it was a member? Because we saw her St. John sticker in the back window. It's down on, where was that, North Avenue? Geneva and Gary. And I, this was right after the late service. I drive out to see who it is, and Jeanette Marty's sitting there at the gas station, having just spent, that was a terrible act. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. And you have, yeah. You have experiences like that where you say, boy, that was, I don't know how that happened. It happened because you have a guardian angel. And what moment, what, what moment in, the, in life is more important than at your death? That's the moment where your guardian angel is most at work, right? So count that as a blessing. Okay, good. So we know he's got an angel or two. Um, we know it's important that Christ believes and Christ practices. Christ doesn't give up. He's been protected. What else do you know? What else are you going to say? Because this family probably wants six to seven minutes. Right now i got two. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And who sends the flaming arrows? Satan does. So he's protected even from the powers of Satan by virtue of baptism. Good. Keep going. Yeah. No indication. Sorry. <laughs> right. Yep. Good. Okay, so now, again, this is you be me. So let's, let's say they did that, which they probably did. What are they... 
in reading this psalm, they're not only thinking about themselves, they're thinking about their dad. So in reading the psalm, what do they see in this of their father, do you think? Because now that's my job. I have to figure out what they're trying to see in their dad. Yes, I think so. Big time. So what would be the hopeful part of the psalm? Probably everything we've just said. Exactly, exactly. The very last verse. Actually, the last two verses. Beginning, Look at verse 14. Because he holds fast to me in love. Now, is he talking about the Christian? Who's, who's the he? Because he holds fast to me. No, actually, that's the Christian, I think. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. The I is the Lord. He is David. He holds fast to me in love. I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. Yes. And now remember, the name is everything. The name is everything. The name is the person, and the name comes at baptism. And uh, it's not just it's not just the name that's spoken. It's a name that's actually sort of branded to your forehead. So that person who just died, even at their death, they still have the name. They still have the name. This is why the more you can the more you can value the sacraments is not just sort of rites to go through, but as tangible ways in which Christ puts himself inside of you forever, the more hopeful and the more comforted you'll be at death. This person can find comfort because they've got the name. And if you have the name, you have the person. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. Isn't that great? I will honor him. So imagine someone who their whole life didn't honor the Lord necessarily because he didn't go to church that often. The Lord says, even of him, I will honor him. That's like when the other Psalms say, I'll make you to sit at the feet of princes. Isn't that great? This person is royalty today because Christ has honored him. With long life, I will satisfy him. Now that didn't happen. 60 years isn't a long life, okay? That may be part of the reason, Holly, why they picked it. This is what they wanted for their father. Yeah, exactly. One, year is a thousand, uh, one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, he just showed us most clearly this past week his salvation, right? Holy week. So, in some sense, the stars have aligned for this funeral. The timing the age, the baptism, okay? All that's good stuff. That's all stuff we need to work into the sermon. Vic, you writing the sermon down right now? Get going. I hope it's good, because i got to stand up and give it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Good. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, these kids were very... Let's talk about long life for just a second. These kids were very close to their father, and what they... Here's where you can learn a lot about people. You go and you read the obituary page where people can write in comments. That's where you learn a ton. So one son said something like, um, we miss you so much. The other son said, we miss you so much. Say hi to all of our relatives, and we'll see you soon. Okay? Isn't that great? That's great. So say hi to all of our relatives means we believe you're in the resurrection right now. Uh, we miss you, that's good, you should miss people, and we'll see you soon, okay? Now, sometimes when people lose a loved one, they can't imagine 
how difficult the years will be until they themselves die. You think it'll be, like he says here at the psalm, uh, long life. You think you can, when, when you lose a loved one, in your own head, you think of it as hundreds and hundreds of years until you see someone. And Luther has this great line where he says, death is but a night's sleep. So think about how quickly you go to bed and how quickly you get back up again. That's what death is. It's but a night's sleep. So, so you, have this, you have this difficulty where for people in heaven, in some sense it's timeless because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And yet these people are still on earth and they're saying, I'm 27, I'm not going to see my dad for 52 years. That's painful. So what do you say? Death is, death is but a night's sleep. Right? Death is but a night. When you see him again, it'll be just like the day he died. It's like time has never passed. Okay? Anything else you'd say? We got about six minutes now. We need about another minute and a half. This is our big finish now. This is where we got to give people the goods, and you can't just say Jesus died and Jesus died. They know that, so now we got to give them the goods. Okay, go ahead. Yes, exactly. So where so and you wouldn't say this, but what we're praying for is. Where dad was faithful, we pray that you're strong. Or where dad was maybe a little bit where he struggled, where he was faithless, we pray that the kids are strong. And that throughout the rest of life, they're comforted and know that they'll see dad again, right? Keep us faithful even unto death. That's confirmation. Yes. Go ahead. Really? Huh. It is amazing. Well, you see, people, people, um, you ever experience this with a loved one where near the end of life, they sort of get a burst of energy? And what happens, it's actually unfortunate for family members because family members think they're getting better. <laughs> you know, mom who's 98 isn't going to get a whole lot better. But they sort of, you see this all the time where they sort of have a burst of energy. In fact, I've been with people, you know, two or three hours before they've died and they're awake and with it. And we did the commendation of the dying. In fact, I think the vicar, you were there, weren't you, for Larry Lee's sister? Larry Lee's a newer member. Um, and his sister was sort of an evangelical... You know, she was very, they're, they're Chinese, so they have this non-Christian background, but became an evangelical and wanted the accommodation of the dying. And uh, we went to the hospital, and she had been dying of cancer for quite some time. And this was, it was very clear she wasn't going to live. I mean, you can tell. I mean, we, I see it a lot. Not like doctors, but I see it a lot. Very clear she wasn't going to live that long. And as, as death approached, she was awake, and with the program, and could speak for the first time in months. And, uh, you know, we read the text of the Annunciation, because her name was Mary. So the angel comes to Mary and says, I bring you good news. And uh, we gave her the commendation of the dying, and about three hours later, she passed away. But everybody in the room thinks, Mom's getting better. You know, Mom's not getting better. But you see this sort of spike in activity in life. And that's sort of a telltale sign that death is probably near. Well, I think it is. In fact, oftentimes even your physical posture reflects that. You see people who begin to sit up, or you see people who, as they die, their head kind of lifts up. There, there's something about space and time and, and phys matter. I mean, your body matters. And when you die, your body is turned to Christ. Right? So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, exactly. Yep, right. Yeah, Leslie. Yeah. Exactly right. Because right now, especially the kids and the mom, the wife, are lonely and they feel unloved. Not because their dad didn't love them, but because he's not there. So that, 
that void needs to be filled by something or someone, and that's where, that's where the father steps in, right? Yeah, exactly. And then he'll prepare the two sons to be fathers to their children, like their dad was to, to them. Yeah. You want to preach tomorrow? <laughs> okay, all right. Yes, there are, there are fewer ways to die that are more painful and more difficult than that. Lung cancer, emphysema, those sorts of things are just terrible. But remember, how did Jesus die? Right. Exactly right. And that's why when we pray, and it's, it's not just sort of to sound nice, it's in reality, that, you're, that in your suffering, you're joined to the sufferings of Christ. So whatever went for Jesus goes for him, and it did. He couldn't breathe. Right? Right. Anything else you see in this? You can just go ahead and say it. Anybody's got a hand up? Wow, okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. So here's what we've got, Nick. You should actually write this sermon, and you can turn it in at the seminary someday. Let us know how it goes. Baptized, Christ doesn't give up, and I think this, this is very important. Protected, yeah, that's good. Uh, they now have a father, that's very important too. And it's very Christ-like. So you've got, you've got four, at least four or five things going on here. So if you were to focus on one thing, where would you start? What's sure and certain in all of this? He's baptized, right? So this has got to be sort of the basis for going forward. This man was baptized. Water and name. Right? Water and name. And, and, and that sticks. Um, in fact, if we had gotten to him before his death, we would have put oil on him because baptism sticks and it stinks. You can always smell it. Right? You can always smell your baptism. So he's baptized. He's got the name. Because he's got the name, Christ doesn't give up on him. Why doesn't Christ give up on him? Because Christ is the name. I mean, this is the thing. If the father was going to destroy this man, he'd first have to destroy his own son. He cannot destroy his own son because he has the name. So he's baptized. He's got the name. Christ doesn't give up. Because Christ doesn't give up, he's protected. Uh, and now this family's protected because they have another father. And in all things, they should be Christ-like, just like their dad went to his death, looking a bit more like Jesus than like a normal human being. That's probably a good thing. And if anyone asks you, gosh, we didn't ever see him go to church, Vic, you say... Well, what's more important, that he believes or that Christ believes in him? What's more important, that he practiced or that Christ practices? Right? And Jesus always casts a big net. I mean, this is, this is the thing. If anybody ever says Jesus casts you know, a very small net or there's only a select few, that person isn't a Christian. You can't say that. I mean, everybody, non-Christians, Jews, pick your person. Um, Jesus still casts a big net and is... Uh, von Balthasar says, you know, might we hope that all men be saved? Big net. Net, like fishing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, bas yeah basically, uh, hey, I could, I could end this thing right now, but I'm not going to. Well, just flip to Romans 8. This is sort of along the same lines. Go to Romans 8.31. This is probably the verse we should have picked, Vic. Although Romans 6 is good because it's baptismal. 8.31. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now you know God is for this man by virtue of the name, baptism. He can't deny himself. He'd be a liar. 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Okay, now that's important. He doesn't even, he doesn't even spare his own kid. He gives up his own son for this man and for all of us. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Okay? How can he not also with him graciously give us all things? And that's important. The point there is, if Jesus isn't willing to spare his own son, he's about willing to do anything. Right? He's willing to do anything. Even save a guy who didn't go to church very much. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Yeah, who are we to judge? Exactly. It is God who justifies. Keep going. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or emphysema? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. Talk about dying of emphysema. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you are baptized, you have to do a hell of a lot to not be saved. Exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. So we trust Christ. And Christ said, I baptize you. Christ said, I give you my name. We trust him and all is well. See how easy it is to write a sermon? Thank you very much. I, you know, if I steal something from somebody, I usually put it at the top. So when someone says, can we publish this, then I'm not cheating or stealing. I say, inspired by, or some parts wholly from. So at this one, I'll say, inspired by the Friday morning women's Bible study. I know it is scary. Some parts wholly from Maddie Smith, you know, <laughs> Jeanette Marty, they did. They did a good job. All right, so keep them in your prayers. Uh, and next time, what, what psalm do you want to do next time? I didn't have a psalm this time. I mean, we did, 91, but I didn't have a suggestion. So what do you want to do? 141. Vic, will you write that down? Psalm 141. Check and see if we've done it. Have we done that one yet? We haven't done many above 100, I don't think. Yeah, we did. Okay, we can do 141. 